We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. So we're in this short series called Not Today, Satan. We are uh, discovering the limiting beliefs and the lies and really the deception that the enemy uses to keep us playing small. Uh, he traps us in a way that keeps us uh, tripping over our own foot. And we begin to believe the lies about ourselves or the lies that other people have said about us or even just the limiting beliefs that keep us stuck. I remember one time when we were traveling out of the country, I was about eight years old. And this is back in the day when you could actually walk onto like the tarmac. I think that's what it's called, tarmac, tarmac, whatever. Um, And you can go up the stairs to uh, the plane. And I was carrying a small case and it has my dad's uh, cassette tapes because back in the day we didn't have CDs. Uh, I'm surprised there weren't eight tracks in there, how old this the story is. But uh, I'm carrying this case. I'm insisting on carrying this case for my dad. And my dad says, no, just let me take it because if you carry it, it might fall out of your hands and it might break open because the the lock is a little loose. And sure enough, I drop the case. All the tapes go all over the tarmac. Everybody who's walking towards the airplane is looking at me like, oh my gosh, this kid is dropping these tapes. And my dad said, son, let me go ahead and take it from you. And I said, no, dad, I want to take it. I want to carry it myself. And so I grab the case and I'm walking again and I trip and I fall and uh, I end up dropping the case again. And this happened like two or three times until finally my dad convinced me to allow me to allow me to allow him to carry the case. Here's the deal. I could have saved myself a lot of trouble if I'd have just listened to my dad at the beginning. I would have saved other people a lot of trouble and frustration of wondering whether we were going to miss this flight or uh, the captain of whether he was going to have to delay this flight because I kept on wanting to hold on to something that I needed to let go. See, many of us are holding on to patterns and pressure that keep us playing small. And this is not uncommon to man. Uh, We're back in the story. If you were part of our live experience uh, last week, I taught from the book of Joshua. And I told everybody there that as I've gone through one of my favorite texts in scripture, that there is literally 10 sermons that I could preach from this. So we're back in that text and we're going to discover how Israel and Achan and, um, and Joshua all decided to play small because they were holding on to things that they should have let go. In verse one, it says this, but the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah took some of the devoted things and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. Uh, the situation is uh, they've just fought the battle of Jericho. If you grew up around church, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. This is the battle that they've just uh, fought. And God had given Israel some specific instructions. I need you to level the entire city. I need you to destroy everything but the gold and the silver. I need you to keep that for me and put it in the house of the Lord so that it can be in the treasury so that God's mission continue to move forward with the resources that are recovered. In fact, it says this in Joshua six nineteen. it says, but all the silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord, they shall go into the treasury of the Lord. 
God said, listen, keep yourself away from the devoted things. Don't touch any of those things. And Achan, as we see, disobeys that commandment. He uh, disobeys that direction and, and he goes and he takes some of the devoted things. He takes some of those things and holds them for himself. He decides to hold on to something that God had called them to let go of. It's interesting that one person's action affected a whole nation. It said that, and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. It didn't just burn against Achan. It burned against the entire people of Israel. And Lewis's message a couple of weeks ago talked about how the people that we have around us can either keep us playing small or propel us into greatness. And ultimately, uh, Achan's role in this affected an entire nation. He thought very narrowly. For many of us who want to keep playing small, we are very narrow-minded. It's my way and the way I want things done, and we're just keeping focus on the way we want to do things. The first lesson that we learn in this is you playing small is affecting the progress of the people around you. You playing small is affecting the progress of the people around you. Achan decided to play small. Achan decided to be obedient, but it affected the entire nation. How else did it affect the entire nation? In verse 2, we pick it up. It says, Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, east of Bethel, and said to them, go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai, and they returned to Joshua and said to him, do not have all the people go up. He's like, man, don't carry the entire army. Don't take the entire resources of the nation to go fight this battle. He says, but let uh, two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. So about 3,000 men went up from the people, and they fled before the men of Ai. The men of Ai killed about 36 of their men and chased them before the gate as uh, Sheberim and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted because and became as water. Now, here's the first thing that we notice in this situation. Uh, they go into this battle. Uh, they don't prepare like they usually prepare. What do they forget? What do they miss out on doing before they go into this battle? They forgot the essential thing, to pray before all else fails. This is what I tell people all the time. Pray before all else fails. If you're stuck in a situation, if you're in a situation that you have to walk into and you don't know what's going to happen, pray first before all else fails. I know it seems a little bit like a contradiction. If you were in service last week, I talked about how people say, let me pray about it, uh, and how it's become the, now, the new Christian cop-out to uh, being able to show up and be consistent. Uh, this is not a contradiction. This is actually very much in line. See, a lot of times we say, let me pray about it uh, is about really things that we don't want to do, or it's an excuse not to show up. But if we're going to walk into something, yes, you definitely want to pray about it. In fact, you want to cover that situation in prayer. And if you're about to go into battle, the definite thing you want to do is pray. Unfortunately, Israel is on this high of the wind that they've just had over Jericho. They destroyed Jericho. Jericho was a fortress and they were able to level it. And now they're presumptuously going into battle without consulting God. Can I tell you something? The number one sign that you're off base in your life 
is you see your past victory as a guarantee of your future gains. When you see what you've been through, you've seen what you've overcame, and automatically you presumptuously think that anything else that stands in the way, you're going to be able to overcome the same way you overcame it before. Let me tell you something. Presumption is the enemy of progress. Presumption is the enemy of progress, and they've got a big wake-up call here. They forgot to pray to the Lord. They forgot to go before the face of God and say, God, should we even go into this battle? Or, God, is there anything that's standing in our way of going into this battle? And for some of us, whether it's a job we want to pursue or a relationship that we want to pursue, sometimes we've got to stop and ask the Lord, is there anything in my life that stands in my way of this relationship being successful? Is there anything standing in the way uh, of, uh, of me getting into this pursuit and accomplishing what I wanted to. Uh, they got their wake-up call because they weren't ready, and they lose, and they lose badly. Here's a, another lesson that we can learn. Presumption limits progress because we assume we are owed success. See, many of us think that uh, we're just supposed to win. Uh, I've won before, so I'm supposed to win again. And I love this quote. It says, what got you here won't get you there. And many of us think that we can walk through life presumptuously doing what we did in the past and expecting the same result. Uh, What do they say? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. We go in to verse six. It says, then Joshua Now, this is the political leader. This is the spiritual leader. This is uh, the leader of the nation and the army. He says, then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. See, they fall on their faces. They're deserted, dejected, and depressed. They are so sad. They fall before the ark of the Lord. And the ark of the Lord was where God's presence uh, was, where they would come and meet God. Uh, The ark of the Lord set in the temple and is set in what's called the most holy place. And really only the, the chief priest was supposed to go into the most holy place and be by the ark of the Lord. But the elders, uh, Joshua, Everybody comes to the ark of the Lord and they fall to their face and they're giving honor to God and saying, God, what happened? They're sad, they're depressed, and and they're crying out and saying, God, uh, why did this happen to us? God, I can't believe this happened to us. But this is interesting because they didn't pray before, but yet they're crying out now. They didn't pray before they went into battle, but when they lose the battle is when they decide to pray. And this is what I've recognized from many of us. Most of us pray for rescue, but forget to pray for the journey. Most of us pray for rescue from the situations that we fall into, but we don't pray about stepping out when we first begin our journey. And how many of us do this? Uh, We get into relationships that we presumptuously assume are going to be great, but we don't pray about it. We just like the person. We just love the person. We just step into that relationship. Or we go out and, and pursue a job or a career or whatever it is in our lives. We pursue it, uh, not understanding the, the, the things that are going to come around it. And when everything falls apart, then we pray. 
We get into situations that we know that we really shouldn't get ourselves into. We don't want to pray about it. And in fact, people are telling us, are you sure this is the direction to go? Are you sure this is what you're supposed to do? But we don't want to pray about it because we're so headstrong and have our own idea of what we want to accomplish. And then when everything else falls apart, that's when we want to come and pray. We all do this. And can I tell you this? The revelation of Christian maturity is that you stop involving God in the consequence and you start involving him in the choice. See, how do you know that you're growing and maturing as a Christian is you come to God not only when things fall apart, but you come to God when things are first getting started. And the elders, everybody, that take a posture of lament and prayer, they're sad. And the reality is pride blinded them to the cancer that was present. Their pride had them so confident that they're going to go forward that they forgot to check to make sure that everything was in order. I know when God was calling us to plant a relevant church, one thing that I heard very strongly was get your house in order. And as foolish as I was at the time, I thought I was just going to die. Honestly, I was like, man, God is trying to take me out. But no, God said, I'm about to have you embark on a journey and you've got to make sure that your house is in order. You got to make sure your spiritual life is in order. You got to make sure your relationships are in order. You got to make sure your finances are in order. And I I can't live from just reaction. I've got to be prepared to what I'm going to walk into. And many of us, unfortunately, are living reactionary lives. Uh, We're not walking into things uh, in order. We are walking into things out of order. And the third lesson that we learn here is reactionary living is a key sign that you're playing small in your life. Reactionary living is a key sign that you're playing small in your life. If you're always reacting to what people say, if you're always reacting because you've ran out of time or you're always reacting to something, you're always going to play small. Because what did we learn before? Presumption limits your progress because we assume that we're just owed success. As we come and bring this to a close in verse 10 through 13, this is what God says to Achan. He says, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things there, have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Isn't it interesting? It's one person who's done that, but God is attributing the sin of everybody to the entire nation. He says they've put, they've hid the belongings and put them uh, among their belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Get up, concentrate, consecrate the people. Uh, and say, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus says the Lord of God of Israel, there are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. Hey, this is a lesson that we have to learn just from the beginning right here. Prayer is useless if you're unwilling to change course. Prayer is useless unless you are willing to change course because God comes to him and says, get up. He's like, why are you sitting here praying about it? Why are you sitting here crying to me about it? There's sin in your camp. 
See, and many of us pray to God to move, but are unwilling to move our own feet. We say, God, can you help me? But we're unwilling to use the faculties that God has given us of our body, our limbs, our mental uh, faculties to be able to step out. God gives them an assessment of their situation. He says, man, there's sin in your camp. There's devoted things in your camp. There are things that you guys are carrying that you should not be carrying. There are things that I told you not to take and give to me, but you've decided to take them as your own. You cannot move forward if you're holding on to baggage. They cannot fight any more battles. They cannot expect to have the favor of the Lord if the baggage is still weighing them down. How many of us want to move forward in our lives but are still carrying the baggage of past hurt? How many of us want to move forward in our life but are still carrying the baggage of doubt? How many of us want to uh, move forward and accomplish things in our life, but we're too busy carrying the baggage of worry and some of us the baggage of sin, of outright disobedience towards God, just kind of like Achan. See, the items were supposed to be brought to God, but Achan coveted them. I don't know if you remember from our series 10X, coveting is this inordinate desire, this hunger, this thirst to have something. It doesn't matter what it's going to take to be able to get this thing. It doesn't matter who you have to plow through. It doesn't matter what you have to do. I just want it so badly. In fact, the text tells us Joshua finally confronts Achan. And he says, dude, what's going on? What, What did you do? It says, and Achan answered Joshua, truly I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful cloak of Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. This is a lot of wealth here, y'all. This is a lot of money. He says, then I coveted them and took them and see they're hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. He wanted them so bad that he had to keep them for himself. God had invited Israel to trust him and give the devoted things to God and he would be devoted to them. Unfortunately, the devoted things became the security blanket that they decided to hold on to and the security blanket ended up suffocating them almost to death. And the question that I have for you is what are you holding on to that God says must be released to him? What are you holding so close and so dear that God is saying, if you would just hand it over to me? See, what you carry might bury you. What you carry might bury you. Israel could not live out God's purpose if they did not let go of what they considered precious. And we will always play small if we hold on to what God has called us to let go of. So what are you carrying? Is it a weight that you're carrying? As scripture tells us, Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do you have stress? Do you have worries? Do you have anxieties that are on you? Christ says, bring them to me. Exchange your burdens for my life. Because what I will give you is easy and I will make your burden light. Is it the weight that we carry? 
Is it the temptation that wants to trap us? Hebrews 4, 15 through 16 says, For we do not have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. And then it goes on to say, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. That grace and mercy to help us in the time of need is talking about the temptations that come our way, the things that want to draw us away. It says Jesus was tempted as well too. There's no temptation that you've ever walked through that Jesus has not walked through or that Jesus cannot identify with. In fact, Scripture tells us that there's nothing that you've been tempted that other people haven't been tempted with as well too. You are not alone. You don't have to fall for the temptation that wants to trap you. Jesus says, bring that to the throne of grace. God says, bring that to his throne. Bring that temptation. God, I'm struggling with this. God, I want to do this and I know this is out of line, but God, I'm going to bring it to you because there you'll find mercy and you'll find grace. God will hold you up. God will make a way of escape. It says that there's no temptation that's come near you that God has not already made a way of escape for you. We will always play small if we hold on to what God has called us to let go of. Is it the sin that sets you back? Is it that you've gone beyond the temptation, now you've fallen in the trap? It tells us in Acts 3.19, it says, now you must repent and turn back to God so that your sins will be removed. And so that times of refreshing will stream from the Lord's presence. How awesome is that? God says, bring your sins to me. Bring all of your wrongdoings, every mistake that you've made, come and bring it to me. Why? Because he has already taken them on, on the back of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, he died for your temptation. He died for your sins. He died for your worry, and he took it all on himself. And all he says is, exchange your worry, exchange your temptation, exchange your sin for my perfection, for my life, for my righteousness. And it's not an even exchange. This is an incredible exchange. This is an eternal exchange. Because once we leave it at the cross, we never have to worry about it being attacked to our life ever again. See, what you carry might bury you, but what you release will restore and reset the blessing God intended for your life. So let me ask you this, what do you need to release? What do you need to release? I remember that story again. When I finally released that package to my father, I no longer had to worry about dropping the ball or dropping the case because it was in my father's hands. And can I tell you, if you're tired of playing small, if you're tired of the lies that the enemy wants to throw in your life, about you, about your past, if you're tired of the limiting beliefs that that keep you in worry and stress and pain and frustration, And if you're tired of your sin that you're carrying, will you put it in the Father's hands? Because in the Father's hands, you will find grace, forgiveness, and help 
in your time of need. You don't have to play small. You can begin to thrive. But you've got to bring it to the Father. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.